Okay, if you have been, if you were with us last week, we've started in the book of 1 John. Uh, John is the youngest of the disciples. Many believe when he started following Jesus, he was only 17 or 18 years old. Uh, he is writing the book of 1 John, one of the last of the books that he writes. He's going to write 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, and then he's going to be exiled to the Isle of Patmos. He's going to write the book of Revelation. John is writing the book. Uh, by the time he writes the book of 1 John, the church has been around for a while, about 40-some-odd years. Uh, there has been a teaching that has existed that has come up, that has crept into the church, into the community of Gnosticism. Gnosticism basically said this. The spirit is good, uh, the, the um, matter is evil. So they looked at the heavenly world and said that's good. They looked at the, the earthly material world and said that's bad. Two ideas came out of it. First of all, it was a big problem for the church because if this is good and this is bad, then there is no way Jesus could have come in the flesh. So they denied the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. In addition to that, because they taught these two worlds were completely separate, there were two different ideas. One idea said, uh, because the heavenly world is good and, and, and to be attained to, one group said, we're going to live an ascetic-type lifestyle. We're going to deny everything. So we're going to, we're going to deny ourselves food, and we're going to deny ourselves the pleasures of, of the world. We're going to deny ourselves everything. That was a very small group. A majority of the Gnostics took the other approach. If the spirit is good and matter is evil and they have no connection, then it doesn't matter what I do with my body. It doesn't matter what I do in the material world. So I can say this, but I can do this. I can say that I, I, I love God, but I can live however I want. And so John writes the book of First John to address some of those issues. He says, no, I'm going to tell you what it looks like when people who live heavenly live on this earth. I'm going to show you what it looks like when heaven comes down to earth and walks among us. So the book of First John is about a lot of that. Now, Last week, we talked about the idea of um, fellowship, and he talks about that as a really, really important part of um, the book. And John talks about the idea of fellowship and that that's one of the keys to joy. So as he discusses in the book, John says, look, that's what fellowship is. Fellowship is, is really the focus of it. So he's talked a lot about fellowship. So we're going to come to the next passage this morning, he's going to introduce a little bit different concept, all right? First uh, John chapter 1, hang on, hang on, First John chapter 1, uh, starting in, uh, wait a minute, Avery, come here, buddy, help me out here. Come on, yep, you betcha, bring her up here. He was wearing this last night, I thought, this is going to really help me out today. No, I turn it off. Okay, put her on. Cool hat. Here's what's really cool about this hat. Oh, how do I do this? Oh, there we go. All right, there you go. He's wearing this last night. I thought, I need this tomorrow. Okay? What does he have? Okay? All right? How important is light? Last night at the campfire, this is really important because they were making those pole pot pies. That's hard to say. Pole pot pies, and you couldn't see because it was so dark. And so we would take flashlights, and people would pull them out, and they would see if they were done. And then they could say, okay, it's too brown or not brown enough, and they'd put it back in to make a pole pot pie. Uh, and so we were using this last night to do that. And, I, and he would go, is it done? I said, I don't know. Pull it out and look at it with your flashlight thing. 
it helped. Okay, why? Because light is very, very important. Okay, and so I told him when I saw this, I said, hey, I need you to wear this tomorrow. Bring this to church. I need this. This will help me. So I, I don't even want to ask what this is actually used for because I think I know. Oh, okay, all right. Okay, all right, good, good. <laughs> thanks, I just thought I'd check. Okay, <laughs> all right, thanks, buddy. Okay, here's why this is so important, all right? Here's why this is so, so important. This is the message we heard from Jesus. And now declare unto you, God is light. And there's no darkness in him at all. Uh, we're just going to camp there for a minute. Because God and light are a common theme throughout the Bible. Actually, the idea of light in the New Testament is used about 72 times. 33 of those times are used exclusively by John. So a majority of the New Testament that talks about light deals with, John deals with about half of it. And he deals with this idea of light and God and linking them together. Think about it for a minute. Moses comes down from the mountain. He has been with God. What was the problem with the people and Moses? Remember what the people said? They said, you're, you're shining so bright, you've got to put a veil over you because we can't stand the brightness off your face because you've been with God. Remember the children of Israel and they were wandering through the wilderness? How were they led? Yeah, it was a cloud by day, a pillar of fire, or light by night. Um, think about um, the concept of uh, the word of God is light. Psalm 119. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Um, over and over again, you see this idea of, uh, of light. Um, 2 Corinthians. Paul says... Uh, that Satan, has, that, that, that Satan has blinded the minds of people lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ shine unto them. Um, Satan often in the scripture is known as the prince of darkness. Uh, Paul, or John, John writes 1 John from the book from Ephesus. When, John, when Paul wrote to Ephesus, you know one of the things he told the people at Ephesus? Walk as children of light. So this is an important concept. So we have to ask ourselves, when it says God is light, what does it mean? Because, by the way, God's, there are, John says God is a spirit in John chapter 4. Um, we see uh, at the end of First John, he's going to say God is love. But here at the beginning of the book, he says God is light. So now that you've sat in darkness for a while, okay, what happens when I turn on light and when we actually get light? Because, yeah, everybody's going, wow, I can see now. Um, <laughs> here's what, here, and this is why this is so important. You've got to think about what light does. Because if you think about what light does, you can better understand God. So here's one of the, uh, light does a lot of things, but I'm going to focus on three. Here's one of the first things. Light reveals. You can see clearer now because the light's on, right? Um, that's why the hat with the, with the light thing, because it helps you. Last night, it helped reveal whether or not those pull pot pies were done. Pull pot pies, not pull. Pull. Pull pies. 
It's a biscuit on a stick. All right? That's what it is. Uh, put over a fire. Oh, so they're not pulled pot pies? Pulled pot? How did I get that? Oh, well, okay. Pulled pies. All right. What's that? I'll never. No, you never will. You never will. <laughs> but he says God is light. And one of the things that you see about light is that light reveals. Light reveals things that have been there the whole time. That's why when you walk into a dark room, one of the first things you want to do is turn on a light. Why? Because you're not sure what's there. You don't want to trip over something, bump into something, knock something over. So you turn on a light because it allows you to reveal what's in the room so you don't go banging your shins on stuff. So you don't bump into stuff because that's one of the purposes of light. And so when, when John says God is light, one of the things he's saying is one of the things God will do is God will reveal things to you. He will show you things you can't see. He will show you things that, that, that are there that you don't know are there. That's one of the things light does. Um, another thing that light does is light measures. We measure things by the speed of light. If you're dealing with the universe, you talk about how many light years away it is. And what is it? Okay, kids, help me out. Some of you who are in science, how fast is the speed of light? Anybody know? That's, that's what I remembered from school, 186,000 feet per second, miles per hour. No, miles per second. Miles per second, 186,000 miles per second uh, is the speed of light. We measure things by that. We actually measure things in the universe by light, by how fast light travels. That's how fast light traveled when I flipped on those switches. Um, hopefully you don't travel that fast home. But you travel, we, we measure things by the, speed, by the speed of light. It's a measurement. So when God says, look, I am light, what he's saying is, I'm the standard by which you measure things. Not your neighbor, not the culture. I'm the standard by which you measure things. God is light. Another thing light does is it powers. Now, we don't understand in our culture, we don't use a lot of solar power kind of stuff in our culture. But in Papua New Guinea, boy, they really depend on it. It becomes crucial to them when it's been cloudy for a long time. Why? Because light empowers. And one of the things, when God says God is light, when he's th- one of the things that he's saying is God can power, he can empower your life because he is light. So John introduces this concept and says, look, one of the things you need to understand about God is God that is light. And so what I want us to understand this morning is that means that God can reveal things in our life. That means that's the standard by which we measure our life. That means that in, in our world, um, that, is the, that is the place from which we get our power when he says God is light. But then, notice, he goes on. If we are, so we are lying... If we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. So John addresses now this idea that that spirit world and the material world are not connected. And addresses the idea, and he says this. If we say that we have fellowship with God, I'm living with God on the spiritual plane. But I go on living in spiritual darkness as if the material world doesn't matter. He said, then I got a problem, because they are connected. Now, let me, 
help you understand the book of 1 John from this perspective. We know it's written for a number of reasons. The main reason is given in, in, in the end of the book when it says these things are written that you may know that you have eternal life and this life is in his son. So one of the purposes of 1 John is that we can know for sure we're a believer. So there is a close link, but a distinct link in the book of 1 John between relationship and fellowship. All right? Most of 1 John is going to be talking about fellowship. It's written to Christians. So let me, let me make the distinction for you. Relationship is a one-time deal. Okay? Think of it like physical birth. I have a relationship, a biological relationship with my two children. There's a biological relationship. But that relationship does not mean I have fellowship with my children. They're different. Relationship is a one-time thing. It's a biological thing. There is a, there is a set thing in which that happened. Fellowship with my kids is an ongoing daily kind of thing. And in and, and the world of theology, we call this salvation. We call this sanctification. We call this putting my faith and trust in Christ. We call this growing in Christ. This has an experiential element to it a daily kind of thing this is what john addresses in most books yeah they're kind of linked and they're linked close together but what i want us to understand is what john is saying is look there are some of you that have this relationship but you're like a gnostic and you think that the spiritual you like put your relationship there and then you can do whatever you want during the week and john's saying then you really need to go back and check your relationship because if you are genuinely being what God wants you to be, you have a relationship and you have fellowship. You have both. And he talks here about the fellowship part of it. He says, if we say that we have fellowship with God, but we go on living in spiritual darkness, he said, we're not practicing the truth. So John takes this approach to kind of step back and go, okay, if you really want to have fellowship, then he talks about it. We have fellowship with God, but if we're going to go on living in spiritual darkness, we're not practicing the truth. So let's go back to it. If God is light and I'm living in fellowship, here's what that means. It means that I'm allowing God to reveal things in my life that I need to work on. It means that as a believer, I am asking God to empower my life every day, to give me the power, to give me the ability to do the things that I can't do in my flesh. Like, love that person at work that's really ugly to you. I need God's help in order to be able to do that. I measure myself by God's standard, not by the world's standard. So what that means is, my focus when I go into my job is not more money, the next position. Those are not important things in God's world. In God's world, what is important in the way I do my job? that I do it for his glory, that I do the best job that I can, and that I'm faithful to what he's called me to do. That's God's standard. It has nothing to do with all that other stuff. And what he's saying is, look, when you and I can walk in fellowship and allow God to be light and God, allow God to reveal stuff in our lives, measure stuff by God's word, and, and empower us to do what God, to what God wants us to do, he said, then we're in, he said, then, he's going to talk about what happens then, but right now he's saying, if you're not doing those things, then you're walking in spiritual darkness. So 
Real simple. What's darkness? Absence of light. So therefore, to walk in darkness means, if I'm not walking in the light, to walk in darkness means I don't do those things. I don't allow God to reveal stuff. God starts revealing stuff and, and punching my buttons and going, hey, you need to work on this. This isn't right, what you're doing. This attitude, this approach, this thing that you're doing, that's not right. You just blow it off. God, I don't want you to reveal that to me. No, 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 no. That means I've got to work on it. And you measure yourself not by God's standards, but by the world's standards. How come I didn't get that promotion? How come I didn't get that raise? How come I didn't get this? How come this? How come that? How come that? In other words, I feel successful. Let me ask something. Have you, ever, have you ever figured out in your life when you will be successful? Have you ever defined what success is for you? Okay. Because, see, I think this is, this is huge. Because the world standard is when I have enough money to retire, when I have enough money to reach this, when I've paid off my house, when I'm debt-free, when I've raised my kids, when I've done this or this. We have this, the, these things out there that we say, then I am successful. Success is only mentioned one time in the Bible, by the way. Anybody know what it says? You take the word of God, you meditate therein day and night, for then thou shalt have thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. God says, you want to know what success is? Taking my word, applying it, living it, and making it real. Then you'll be successful. To me. You know what success is? More what is found in stewards than a man be found faithful. So, God's standard, God's measurement for me to be successful in my life, you know what it means? It means I take the word of God, I live it out, and I'm faithful in what God's called me to do. Everybody in here is capable of doing that. Everybody. So to walk in darkness is to ignore that kind of thing, to blow it off, to do it my own way, to go, go the path that everybody else says I ought to go. Empower myself. Do I try to live this, this life, this world, in my strength or in God's strength? If I'm walking in the light, if I'm not walking in darkness, then I'm allowing God to work in and through me all day long. That's what he says. And he says, notice, he goes on, he says, look, so if we say we have fellowship with him, but we go on living in darkness, we're not practicing the truth. We're not, we're not doing what we need to do. And then notice what he says. But if we are living in the light, if this week I'm saying, God, as you start to reveal stuff to me, I'm going to deal with it. God, as I'm going I'm to let you measure what I ought to do, not me. I'm going I'm, I'm to put my life by your standards. And if you say, this is the way it ought to be, then that's what I'm going to do. Not what culture says, not what the job play. I, if this is what you say I need to do, this is what I'm going to do. You're going to be my measurement. God, you're going to be the one to help me. The world says, if your spouse treats you wrong, don't take that from them. You stand up for your rights. You don't let anybody treat you like that, much less somebody you married. That's what the world says. What does God say? God says, you know what? You made a covenant, you stick with it. And that covenant, which many of you said when you got married, who were married, said what? Love, honor, cherish. So that person that you want to, is treating you like dirt? My commitment, my promise before God and the congregation was to love her. 
Love her, even when she's like that mean, ornery Mrs. Thomas teacher mode. And if you think that only stays in the classroom, you got another thing coming. You know, yeah. Let me tell you something. When you got a woman who's teaching every day, good choices, good consequences, reward, if you don't think that applies at home, you got another thing coming. Okay? Because really, but I mean, you know, it means that, you know what, no matter what, I love her. I honor her. And I cherish her. In fact, New Testament, book of Ephesians, you know how much? As Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. So you look at the life of Christ, you look at all that he took, you look at all the things they said about him, you look at all the things that he was mistreated and how he handled it all, and he said, that's the way you love your spouse. What he said, again, is our measurement culture or is our measurement the Bible? Is our measurement light, God, his word, or is our measurement, uh, you know what, I don't need to be put up, I don't need to put up with this stuff. Am I making sense here? This is what he's saying. But he, he goes, he says, look, if we're living in the light as God is in the light, so he's saying, look, if you do that, if you and I this week say, I'm going to let God reveal things to me, I'm going to work on them, I'm going to let God empower me in my life, I'm going to measure, I'm going to do things the way God says to do it, let that be my measurement, my standard this week. Notice what he says happens. Then we have fellowship with each other. He links this idea of fellowship, we talked about last week, to me walking in the light. Why? And this is what's so beautiful. When I am walking in the light, think about it for a minute. If I'm, if I'm being honest, letting God say, hey, look, you know what? You don't need to be doing that. You need to go apologize to that person. If I'm walking in the light that way, or I'm putting my measurement by the word of God, which says when everybody else is talking about people at work, I'm not part of that gossip. I'm backing away from that thing. If I'm allowing God to help me empower my life, so I say, God, you've got to help me today because you know what? I've got to work with so-and-so all day long, and they're just mean and nasty. So, God, the only way I'm going to be able to do it is with your help. So, God, you're going to have to work through me in a way that I just, it's just impossible for me to do it on my own. You know what? I have fellowship with others. Why? Because here's the beauty of it. Because I'm real, I'm honest, and you know what? I've got nothing to hide. But you see, one of the things that happens is in our lives, we start, when we're, not, when we're not walking that way, we tend to distance ourselves from people. You know why? Because we're afraid they're going to find out stuff. We're afraid that, we're afraid that I can't go talk to so-and-so because they might find out what I said to so-and-so about them. So it actually cripples my fellowship. But if I can walk in the light, I start having fellowship one with another. I don't have to worry about it. So I can talk to you. Okay, let me let me just use this as an illustration. No 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 deals here. Um, let me. Okay. Um, Pat. Okay, I'm going to take front row. Okay, Pat and Gail hate each other. For illustration. Okay, they don't. But that I know of. If so, we'll talk after church. Pat and Gail. Let's say they hate each other. Can't stand each other. So I'm over here with Gail, and I start talking about Pat. Well, now I go over to Pat, and i got to be careful because uh, I don't want him to know. that. I, and i got to play this game back and forth and back and forth. But look, if I say everything to Gail, 
and everything to Pat that I could say with them both standing here together. They got no problem having fellowship with both of them. Even if they hate each other, it doesn't bother me. Why? Because I'm the same person with Gail that I am with Pat. So I can have fellowship with both of them even though they don't have fellowship together. Does this make sense? And this is what he's saying. He's saying, look, when you and I can walk in the light, doing what we're supposed to do, we don't have to play these games. And I can have fellowship with both of these guys even if they can't stand to be in the same room together. Got it? So he says this is so important that we walk in the light that way. That we allow God to reveal and God measure our stuff by God's word and allow God to empower it because then I, I can handle this. And then notice what he adds because I think this is so crucial. And it looks like it doesn't belong, but it does belong. Notice what he says. We have fellowship with each other and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Why does he throw this in there? Why does he throw this blood thing in there all of a sudden? Here's why. Think about it for a minute. If every day I am saying, God, I want you to show me things in my life that don't please you that I need to change. And God, I want to know what you say, not what culture says, because that's what I want to do. And God, I'm going to need your help to do it. Then here's what happened. What am I doing every day? Huh? I'm fellowshipping God, and I'm allowing God to work in and through me, and so what happens? If I'm being responsive in the right way, I'm focused on the fact that God is working through me, that I can't do it on my own. I'm focusing on the fact that, look, it is the blood of Christ, if you will. Here's what it ends up being. It ends up being like communion every day. Where I evaluate my life and say, God, look, you know, I need to change some things. I, I, you know, I haven't pleased you this week. And it, it ends up being this refreshing, cleansing kind of thing. And what that allows me to do is it allows me a freedom to live life in an incredible way. Why? I don't have to deal with guilt. See, if I'm living that way, and I have, let's say I've said something about Pat to Gail, and I'm asking God to, to work in my heart and, and reveal things, and God says, you know what? You should never have said that to Gail about Pat. And I hold myself to standard with God's word, and I'm trying to say, okay, God, I've got to go make this right. So I go to Gail and say, look, Gail, I should have never said that about Pat. And I go to Pat and say, look, I said some things about you to Gail that I should have never said. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all. Now, I don't have to feel guilty about it. I've dealt with it. I've dealt with it. And I can live life in a freeing way, an honest, open, freeing way, and have fellowship one with another. That's what John's talking about here. He's talking about real, genuine Christianity. This says, I'm going to, this week, I'm going today to walk in the light. Not in darkness. We sat in darkness for a while at the beginning of this message. It's a lot easier to see here, isn't it? I'm going to let God's light, the light of God's word, to do that in my heart and life. I'm going to let him reveal the stuff that I need to change. And here's the thing. If you have nothing to change, you've got it all figured out, you've mastered the Christian life, like I said, just go find another church because you're not going to be comfortable here, okay? Because we're all in the process of growth. We're all in the process of learning. We're all in the process of growing. We're all in the process of giving, giving stuff with our lives, getting stuff together, getting our act together to please God. Let God's word reveal stuff. Some of you, you know, God's been hammering on you for the same thing over and over again for week after week after week after week after week, and you just keep saying, no, 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 no. Walk in darkness, walk in life. It's your choice. But don't come in and say you have fellowship with God if you're going to keep saying no. Because you're kidding yourself. Like he said, you lie. 
You're not, you're not obeying spiritual truth. You're, you're lying. You're kidding yourself. On the other hand, if I take the Word of God and allow it to reveal stuff and measure myself by what God says. So, when you want to gossip this week, keep your mouth shut. When somebody's telling that joke that they shouldn't be telling, walk away. When somebody is doing something that you know is not right, look at them and say, I don't think you ought to be doing that. Oh, that's not my place. Really? Because if they're doing something wrong, it's probably having an impact affecting me. I say it in love, but I speak the truth in love. Why? Because that's what God says I'm supposed to do. And measure myself by God's word, not by, you know, what I think. And although it might be as difficult in the world, you might be in the most incredible situation in the world where things are horrible, everything's difficult at work, at home, whatever else, here's what you do. You get up every day and you say, now look, God, I got two ways to live this day. My way and my power or your way and your power. And I can already tell you, if I go my route, it's not going to be pretty. At the end of the day, there's just going to be a lot of mess and chaos. So God, I need your help today to do it your way. And Lord, when I get mad today, when I want to tell that person off, when I want to give them a piece of my mouth, I need you to help me shut my mouth, to stop, to count to 10,000, and to not say anything. Because there's everything in my being walking in darkness that's going to want to do it that way. But I need your help to do it right. And it means, you know, you know, you know, some of you, some of you work with porcupine people. And you know what I mean about porcupine people? It means that no matter, the second you get close to them, you get poked. And you know what it's like to work with porcupine people because they're always sticking you. They're always getting in your crawl all week long. They're saying stuff, doing stuff that is just always jabbing at you. And you need God's help to deal with those kind of people. You need God's help to kind of wrap you in leather so that when you, they get close, you don't get poked that bad anymore. Um, I call them fire breathe, or I call them uh, well-intentioned dragons. Uh, Marshall Shelley wrote a book on that. I th- it's one of the best books I've ever read for ministry. Well, you know what a well-intentioned dragon is? It's a fire-breathing dragon, and every time it opens its mouth, what comes out? Fire. So imagine if my wife, and if she's not, but if my wife were a, were a well-intentioned dragon, Okay. What that means is that when my wife comes home and goes, I love you. <sighs> Whatever she speaks, things get destroyed. Things get burned up. Things get, because no matter how much her intent, her nature, her character at that point is destructive. And the whole book, he talks about how you deal with well-intentioned dragon. Because there are people out here that are, you, you know what I'm talking about. Some of you work with them. Where they just have the way of when they open their mouth at work, they're going to be critical of somebody somehow, some way. You know what I'm talking about. And the problem is you have to deal with them. You have to work with them. And you know that they're going to take that little jab and it's going to get in your craw all day long and just eat away at you because that's what Satan does. And he says, he talks about, and one of the ways he talks about dealing with is he says, you know, he said, you can still approach a well-intentioned dragon, but understand you're going to get burnt. Just don't get real close. <laughs> you know, try to not get burnt real bad. 
But when you're dealing with them, you've got to realize that when I go up to them and say something, they're going to be critical, and they're going to, be, they're going to take their little jab, and I expect it, and I anticipate it, and I'm not going to let it bother me. Because they're a nice person, but they're a well-intentioned dragon. And it helps me handle those people. Because they exist. If you haven't, um, you know, you will. You'll run into them in life. Listen, the only way you can deal with those kind of people is with God's help. Because there's nothing inside of you that says, I want to get close, I want to have anything to do with them, I want to get burnt. It is only through God's power that you can deal with those kinds of people. And you bathe, <laughs> bathe them in prayer going, okay, God, you've got to help me to keep my mouth shut. And it's hard. But with God's help, you can. Look, walk in the light this week. When you and I start to walk in life, we allow God's word to reveal, measure ourselves by him and his standard, and we allow him to empower our lives, folks. We can have the kind of fellowship God intended for us to fellowship, first of all with God and then with others. So this week, that's my challenge to you. Walk as children of light. Walk in the fact of fellowship and light and the light of God and his word this week. And watch it transform those situations that Satan has used to cripple you and allow the blood of jesus christ the forgiveness the guilt all those things to go away why because you're walking in fellowship with god who is light and in that way we can honor him this week so my prayer my challenge my benediction to you is this fellowship is essential to our relationship with christ we need to make sure we're walking in light that God provides through his word and through other people. So as we deal with our own lives this week, we can be better equipped to be light in a very dark world and have fellowship one with another. Let's pray. Lord, thanks for your word. Thanks for the way, Lord, that you have revealed yourself to us. And God, this week we are going into a dark world. We're going into a very dark place. And in many situations, Lord, we are the only light. Lord, the people we rub shoulders with are not going to walk into a church. They really want nothing to do with it. But Lord, they can't argue the, the power of a changed life. They can't argue a testimony that, that reflects you. So we need you to help us do that this week. So Lord, as you have revealed things in our lives, may we change them. Lord, may we measure ourselves by your word, not by the standard of our culture or uh, the things around us lord may each of us this week really walk in your power and not our own and lord when it's all said and done we give you the honor and the glory and the praise and we thank you lord for being light to us so that we can be light to others these things we ask in your name amen um let's